Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are kicking off our series, Thankology. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Been in a series, as we said earlier, called Thankology. You know, we plan out things uh, several months in advance. In fact, uh, since we just observed communion together, um, just kind of share this little bit of interesting information with you. Uh, in February, I'm wanting to do a series where we dive into to communion, into the Lord's table and community. And some of those things that I've been sharing over the course of the last couple of weeks during communion, I want to really explore that whole thing. So like I said, we plan several months out in advance. So come February, we're going to be hitting uh, the Lord's uh, table, the Lord's Supper, communion again, but really diving in because I think that um, we we don't quite, as American um, Protestant, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it, we don't have quite a grasp of what's taking place in that meal. And I really just want to dive into it for my own self, for our church, because uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, how many of you would say this morning, just kind of off the cuff, um, I would really like to have um, more things, better things, nicer things. I, I would just like to have nicer things. Would you raise your hand? Those of you that aren't raising your hand, you're probably lying. Come on, everybody be honest. I'd like to have, I'd like to have nicer things in life. Okay, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know if anybody won, but I did notice when I went to get gas that Apparently, the Powerball jackpot is sky high. What, like $350 million, something like that? By the way, if you win, uh, we're totally cool with you tithing Amen. to the church. Um, we will not, you know, refuse that. Uh, as John Wesley uh, said, as a famous theologian back a couple hundred years ago, um, that, that we could plunder the Egyptians, uh, meaning that we run through whatever's good we can, we can take. Another guy said, you know, we eat the fish and leave the bones, uh, so... Uh, yeah, anyway, just, uh, just a word of encouragement to you. Um, okay, since that, that's kind of in our culture, let's say, let's not even go $350 million. Let's say a million dollars. How many of you in this room would like to have a million dollars? Would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Okay, those of you that don't have your hands raised, those of you that have your hands raised, would you check under your seat real quick? You're not going to find a million dollars, but... Should you, that's actually a gift the Lord wants you to give to the church today. If you find that randomly somehow under your seat. Um, okay, so a lot of people say, you know, I'd really like to have a million dollars. So let's see what you would do for a million bucks. Would you, would you work an extra 10 hours a week for a million dollars? Somebody's going to, million dollars right here, I'll work an extra 10 hours a week. All right. Leave your hands up, leave your hands up, participation. Work an extra 20 hours a week for a million dollars. I'll work an extra 20 hours. Okay, nobody's hands with that. Okay, all right, you put your hands down. We're going to find out some stuff about you this morning. It's going to be interesting. Um, let's say someone wanted to give you a job that required you to travel a third of the year. So there's 12 months in a year, four months, you're going to be gone. million dollars, would you take it? <laughs> People are like, that's my life, dude. What are you talking about? Okay, okay, your hands up, that's fine. What if they said, okay, million dollars, going to give it to you right now, put it in your bank account, but for the first year, you got to say goodbye to everybody because you're going to be on the road. You're not going to see family, home, wife, kids, nothing. Some of y'all are like, I call that vacation. 
Me and okay, all right, that's cool. Um, let's talk about something dangerous. Would you do something dangerous for a million dollars? Okay, there's a one in five hundred chance that you're going to die. Would you do something dangerous? One in five hundred chance for a million dollars. It's a few of you, few of you. Okay, those of you that raised your hands, what if it was one in one hundred chance? We still got some takers. One in ten chance that you're going to die. 10% chance that you're going to die. Some people still take it. Okay. Uh, let's, let's get fun. Um, would you cut your pinky off for a million? It's surgical, listen, surgical process, no pain, anesthesia. You, you go to sleep, you wake up, four fingers. If, raise your hand. I would cut my pinky off for a million dollars. If you raise your hand, you had to raise it like this. Four-finger raise. All right. All right. Y'all are weird, man. Okay. Here, here, here's, here's one. Here's one. I think, uh, I, I think I already know the answer to this. I think I know the direction uh, everybody's hands are going to be, but just in case I don't. Uh, how many of you would say, um, I'd go to hell for a million dollars? Raise your hand. I would, I would go to hell. Okay. Too high, the price is too high, Pastor. You see, what I've learned is that most of us wouldn't sell our soul for any amount of money. We would never, ever, ever sell our life for, I could have said $350 million, would you go to hell? And we're like, that's crazy. But the, the thing is, most of us wouldn't sell our soul for any amount of money, but a lot of us would give it away one day at a time. We would give our life away. There's a couple passages of Scripture. Today, if you like uh, jumping around in your Bible, uh, then today is for you. This is all for you. Uh, also, a couple of things. Uh, you can follow along on Version If you have the Bible app, search for Vertical in the Live. Also, on the back of your program, you've got Scripture and notes, place to take notes. That's all for you just to help you remember what we talk about today. Um, there's a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Jesus says this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? In other words, most of us wouldn't sell our soul for any amount of money, but what good is it to gain the whole world day by day and give your life away? What, what good is it to forfeit your soul? Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says, watch out, be on guard, keep a lookout, alert, attention, be, be aware be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he makes this statement that's very bizarre, very interesting. He says, a man or a woman's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, let's be honest. Intellectually, we know that. I mean, we know that. Nobody's, nobody's crazy enough to believe that our life is really just about stuff. So intellectually, we know this, but when it comes down to a practical rubber meets the road, life application, daily decision, day in, day out, many of us live that way. Many of us live as if our life is just the collection of things. And if you don't believe me, think back two days ago, okay? Black Friday, right? Y'all... I'm not, if you went out to Black Friday, more power to you. I did too, you know. And what amazed me was I walked around the mall 
at 1.30 in the morning. And people were dressed up like they were going out on dates. It was great. You know, if there's any time to go shopping in your pajamas and not try to like doll up, it's 1.30 in the morning. And people, man, they're like, you know, literally like they're going out on the town to be seen at the mall at two in the morning, standing in line at Old Navy. It was crazy. But you see what happened, and you didn't do this because I didn't do this either, but many of us, some people somewhere in our world, our culture, it's not applying to anybody in this room, but there were people that went out and bought stuff that they didn't need with money they didn't have to impress people that they don't really like just because it was Black Friday. And what that tells me is that we might intellectually know that our life does not consist in the abundance of things, but when it comes down to the way we choose to live our lives, we're making the statement, my life consists in having a lot of stuff. Now listen, if, you, if you've got nice stuff, then praise God. I'm glad you have nice stuff. It's not bad to have nice things. It's not bad to be wealthy. It's not bad to have a lot of money. It's bad when a lot of money has you. It's bad when those nice things have you and have your heart and have your affection and have your dedication and have your worship. That's when your life becomes consisted or, or gets consisted of stuff. Because see, in our materialistic culture, you know, our enemy sells us the idea that really it's just about the bling. It's just about stuff. And if you don't believe me, listen to these words from Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief, the enemy, Satan, the devil, the thief comes to do what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think more than stealing our possessions, I think the, that the enemy loves to steal our gratitude, our joy, our peace, our satisfaction with life. I think the, the enemy wants to, to steal those things and, and divert us into pursuing things that don't give us life. Pursuing things that don't last. Pursuing things that might make you excited in the moment and give you pleasure for the moment, but ultimately your joy is taken from you. Your gratitude is stolen. And I think there are really two ways that the enemy steals our gratitude. There, there are two gratitude thieves. If you want to, I don't know if you're familiar with the term swagger jacker. Like, you know, teenagers are real familiar. I know what that term is. Um, somebody, you know, just tries to steal your swag. If you don't know what swag is, uh, I'm using it loosely. I'm not really sure either, but just trying to stay contemporary, okay? Trying to stay relevant. Um, I think there are two gratitude jackers, two things that can steal your gratitude from you. And the first one is this. The first one is comparing, comparing. When, when we begin to compare our lives with the lives of others, and we begin to compare what we don't have with what somebody else does have, you know what? That'll drive you crazy. I mean, that'll absolutely drive you bonkers. And Jesus told a parable about comparing. 
uh, Jesus told a parable about a business owner. There was this wealthy business owner who needed to hire some day labor. He needed to hire some construction workers or people in the vineyard or something. He just needed to hire some people. And so he goes out in the morning and he hires a crew. Jesus says that he hires this crew and he says, I will pay you a denarius. That was basically a day's wage. Whatever you make in a day. Jesus said, I'll pay you for that. And you know what they said? Great. Awesome. Wonderful. We'll work for that. That's that's a great deal. We'll work a day and we'll get paid for a day. Awesome. Well, the business owner looked around and he noticed around the afternoon that maybe they had fallen a little behind. So he went out and brought in a second crew. And the evening shift came and he said, well, we're still not quite where we need to be. So he went out and he hired another crew. So now he's got three crews working, morning shift, afternoon shift, and evening shift. And when the day was ended, Jesus says the business owner went to pay each person and he gave them all the same. And listen to what happens when, when the morning shift heard about this. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says, so when those who came came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Well, hey, you, you paid the evening shift a denarius. You paid the afternoon shift a denarius. Certainly, we've been here all day. Surely, we should get more than that. Jesus goes on, he says, But when each of them received a, demer- a denarius, they began to grumble against the landowner. Well, what happened? They started comparing. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that, that that morning they agreed that this sounds like a great deal. I will work all day for this amount of, of money, for this resource, for this denarius, for this wage. I'll work all day. I'll be happy. I'll be excited. This is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work today. I'm going to be able to get food tonight, go home to my family. Everybody's going to rejoice. This is going to be awesome. But then by the time they get to the end of the day, they start looking around and saying, well, look what they got and, and look what they got and I'm... I'm what, what happened? They, they started comparing and their gratitude, their thankfulness was stolen. Did you know that today we are one month from Christmas? I promise I heard the blood pressure of some of you start rising. Today's November 25th. We're one month away from Christmas. When I was growing up, Christmas was a hoot, man. We had a lot of really weird Christmas traditions. Um, we, um, my mom would wrap all our presents like five, seven days before Christmas and bring them out of her bedroom. And she would line them around the tree. And my brother and I would start scoping out the presents. You know, okay, count the boxes. Who's got more boxes? You got more boxes. Well, this stinks because I you got more boxes than me. But not only do you have more boxes than me, but your boxes are heavier than mine. I don't like this. And so, I mean, we would literally, you know, we take them, pick them up. How heavy is this? Shake it. Does it make any noise? We would compare, you know, all this stuff. Well, my mom got wise to this. And she started, she started putting, she would take the smallest gift, put it in this big box, and put canned food in the box. She would load the thing down with canned food and then fill a, a jar, a mason jar up with like pennies so it rattled. And so you pick up this big box. Whoa, what is this? Then you open it up and you think, canned food, Mom? Really? There's a pair of socks in here. I thought that, what was she doing? She was teaching us, don't compare blessings. 
Don't compare blessings because when you start comparing blessings, you start losing your gratitude. Because you start saying, well, look what they got. They got more boxes than I do, and their boxes are heavier than mine. And my mom's saying, look, don't compare. I love you each, and I'm blessing you differently because you're different people. But just, just receive your blessing, your, your gift, and be grateful for your gift. Because the moment we begin comparing, we slip into this ungrateful attitude, this ungrateful mindset. And, and, and we start pursuing things that don't last. We start pursuing things that we think will bring us joy, but they don't. Jesus says, look, be on your guard. Life doesn't consist in a wealth, an abundance of stuff. So don't compare what you have with another. But there's also another, you know, when comparing reaches maturity, after comparing is no longer a teenager, it turns into, number two, coveting. And coveting is like comparing on steroids, Coveting is, is comparing uh, going to the WWE and wrestling. Comparing turns into coveting, and coveting is when you look at what someone else has, and it's not just, well, theirs is better than mine. It turns into, well, I want their stuff. It's this unquenchable desire for more. It's this desire to have what someone else has. Listen to what Jesus says, or, or Jesus, ultimately Jesus, because you know Jesus is the word of God. But anyway, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 25, what, what Deuteronomy says, do not covet, this is the Lord speaking, do not covet the silver and gold, or you will be ensnared by it. He says, look, don't covet stuff, because when you covet it, it becomes a trap. It becomes a trap for you, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. You see what happens is we're satisfied, we're content, we're grateful, we're happy, we have joy in our lives until we, and, and until we see something better. We're, we're content with our home, we're thankful for our home until our neighbor invites us over and we see that they've got granite countertops and we don't. And so now we're not grateful. Now we're not satisfied. We're content with the size of our house until we go have dinner with somebody who's got a bigger house. And we, what happens? Because we start comparing and then we start coveting, we lose our gratitude. We lose our joy. We're, we're content and satisfied with our accomplishments, our achievements. We're proud about what we have accomplished in life until we meet somebody who's done more. And then we start losing our satisfaction. Why? Because we start coveting. We're, listen, this is going to help some of you. We're content. We're excited. We're in love with our spouse until we see somebody else's spouse. And the catch is you only see them out of the house. If you would just go into the living room and see all the dirty laundry on the floor and the piles of clean laundry on the couch, if you would only wake up beside them in the morning, then you wouldn't covet because you'd realize that what you're seeing is just fake because it's just outside of the house. But we don't see that. What we see is the presentation, and so we covet because we're not satisfied with what God has blessed us with because we're looking at what He's blessed somebody else with, and we don't even see the full picture. And we covet our neighbor's yard because their grass is greener, but we're not close enough to the grass to see the dog poo. Listen, if the grass isn't green in your lawn, you need to water the lawn. 
don't need to covet somebody else's lawn. And so there are these two things that can really steal our gratitude. And Satan, our enemy, would like nothing better than to steal our life one day at a time by stealing our gratitude, by stealing our joy. And we wouldn't sell our life for any amount of money, but we'll freely give it away one day at a time by having our gratitude stolen from us. So what I want to teach you this morning is how to grow gratitude. You know, Thanksgiving is harvest time. Thanksgiving is the time where we, you know, we reap the harvest of the field and we're eating sweet potatoes. We're eating, uh, you know, turkey. We're eating green bean casserole. We're eating corn. All that stuff that you ate this weekend, like me, you know, I ate and I couldn't eat again. Uh, I went on a 24-hour fast, not spiritual fast, just if I put anything else in my mouth, um, I was going to be in serious pain. Um, I don't know if you do that, but that's how I celebrate, bro. Um, you know, pass the, the red velvet brownies and the, and the pumpkin pie, let's go. Um, but I, I ran Thanksgiving morning and Saturday morning, three, almost three and a half miles. So don't judge me. I'll eat what I want to eat. Right, Carl? Wherever you're at, you're in here somewhere, maybe in the kids, Carl and I, we run together. Anyway, so how do we grow gratitude? How do we cultivate it like a garden or like a good recipe? What ingredients do we need to add to our lives to grow gratitude? Just, be, just like there's two gratitude thieves, I've got two gratitude ingredients. You like that? These things don't happen by accident. You gotta, y'all are like sleepy this morning. Usually I say this stuff and it's like, <laughs> and nothing. Y'all are still in like turkey-induced coma. You know, wake up. There are two gratitude ingredients that we need for our lives. And the first one is this. There are two choices that we need to make. We've got to choose contentment. Choose contentment. And you're saying, how do you choose contentment, Pastor Josh? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to share another passage of Scripture with you. This, is one, this one's from Philippians chapter 4. I like what Paul says here. He says, I have learned to be content. What does that tell me? It doesn't come natural. It's a choice that you have to make. It's something you got to work on. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. You know what I want to tell you the secret of being content this morning because Paul tells us. I've learned the secret of being content in any in every situation. Here's the secret. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. What is the secret of learning how to be content? What is the secret of being satisfied and at peace with your life? It's understanding that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And I know what you're thinking right now because this is what I thought up until this week. What does that mean? How is that contentment? What, what does that have to do with anything. Well, I want this to, uh, you might need to write this down and, and meditate on it so it can sink in. Because here's what I believe that Paul is, is getting at, to, to getting the, the point across to us. If you and I can do everything through Christ that he has given us to do, at this moment in time, we have everything we need to accomplish the will of God for our life at this particular time. If he's given us everything we need through Jesus, then what else do I need to do what he wants me to do? I don't need anything. 
If, if I lack nothing to accomplish His perfect will at this moment, then what more should I desire? I have everything I need in Christ. So whatever it is that He's given you to do, you have the resources necessary to do it. And if you don't have the resources necessary to do it, then through Christ, He has promised the resources and He's promised you the ability to acquire the resources. You might be saying, well, I don't have the, you know, I want to start a business. I don't have a million dollars. Okay, He might not be giving you a million dollars, but He might be giving you the capacity to get a million dollars. You see what I'm saying? Everything that we need in this moment to accomplish His will, He has already given us through Jesus. And if we have that, what more do we need? That's the secret of being content. That's the secret of experiencing satisfaction with life. Everything that I need to do what God wants me to do, I have. And it's learned. It's a choice. It's a story about a 5th century uh, Christian named St. Arsenius lived in Egypt. And he was very, very wealthy. He was a very wealthy uh, Christian. And he got so distracted by all the, the materialism of Egypt at the time that he moved away into the desert. He became what's known in Christian history as a desert father. And there's this beautiful story about when St. Arsenius goes back to Alexandria. I don't know if he had a meeting, I don't know what he was doing, but he walks back in there and he's walking around through the boutiques and the shops and he sees all of the wealth of Alexandria. And there's this awesome quote in his journal that says this, he says, When I go back and see all the material things, my heart leapt for joy within me at all the things that I saw and did not need. Just, just let that quote kind of just sink into your heart. Can you imagine what that would be like to walk through the mall and to see all of the stuff, to see all of the material wealth and have joy in your heart seeing it and realizing, I don't need that. If you have it, great. If you don't, I don't need it. Can, can you imagine what it would be like to walk through Home Depot? Those of you that are, you know, real handy people, you like to construct stuff and build stuff. Can you imagine walking through Home Depot and saying, man, this stuff is awesome. And you know what? I don't need any of it for my joy and satisfaction. Or can you imagine walking through Target and seeing all of the, the stuff that you could buy and just realizing I don't need any of this to experience joy to experience gratitude. I don't need any of this to be thankful. Contentment. Choosing contentment. And that's where we start with the secret of contentment. And some of you need to get there. Some of you need to take that first step. And some of you are there. And if you're there, then I want you to take your gratitude from the ground floor up to level two or level three. And here's how you do that. Number two, choose cheer. What in the world does that mean? Choose cheer. There's a proverb in Proverbs chapter 15 that says this, All the days of the oppressed are wretched. All of the days of the oppressed are wretched. But the cheerful heart has a continual feast. The cheerful heart has a 24-7, 365 day a year Thanksgiving meal. The cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. 
Proverbs says that the cheerful heart, choosing cheer is like going to a party that never ends. It's, it, it's, it's, like, it's like how our kids live, right? If you have little ones, dude, the, my kids, no, don't get me wrong, my kids aren't saints. Sometimes they're really annoying and whiny and you're just like, dude, you need a nap or you need food or something. But what, what if we could just catch a glimpse of it? My kids are just as happy and excited and joyous playing with baby toys that we've gotten out in anticipation of the new baby as they are playing with Legos because they're just rejoicing. They're just choosing cheer. They're just delighting in what they have at that moment. What would it be like for us to choose cheer? So how do we do this? How do we choose contentment? How do we choose delight, cheer? Well, as simple as this sounds, and as you know, slap you upside the head as it sounds, you make the choice. How do you choose contentment? How do you choose cheer? Well, you choose it. And what that means is that when you're tempted to gripe about your husband, you know, he doesn't do this and he's not romantic and he hasn't taken me on a date in so long, he wouldn't even know what a restaurant looks like. You say, no, instead, I'm going to focus on some really great qualities. You know what? I never have to wonder if my husband's faithful. Thank you, God, that my husband is faithful. And I never, you know, a boring day never happens. He's so funny. He tells such good jokes. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But just try to focus on something really great. Or, gentlemen, you know, instead of griping and complaining about your wife, she's not this, and I can't stand when she does this. Instead, just think, no, no, wait, wait, wait. What's something really great that I can be thankful about? You know, she's a great mother. She's a great father friend. You know, she's one of the only people in the world that I can let down every wall and every pretense around and just be me. And she accepts me just like that. Man, I'm so grateful. Instead of choosing to complain, choose to be grateful. Instead of griping about your house, you know, we got all this brass stuff and I want silver stuff and I don't like my brass stuff. No, no, no. I've got, I've got a roof over my head. And when I go into my bathroom and I flush the toilet, it flushes. And in the summertime, I'm cool. And in the wintertime, I'm warm. And thank you. Instead of choosing to gripe, I'm going to choose to be grateful. You know, some of you drive to work thinking, man, this stupid job. I'm going to work around these stupid people and the stupid traffic and the stupid boss. No, no, no. Just say, God, thank you that I have this stupid job. <laughs> a time when so many people don't. I'm going to choose not to complain, not to compare, not to covet. I'm going to choose contentment. I'm going to choose cheer. And you know what? It's, a, it's a something that you have to learn. It's a choice. It's a, it's a daily living out of this thing. Because here's what I think that's happening in so many of our lives. We can't maintain the blessing of God. God has blessed our lives, but we can't maintain it because we keep it on the ground floor. And what happens is who comes in? The enemy. And what is he? He's a thief. He steals it because we keep it low, on the, we keep it low to the ground. What I want you to do is I want you to begin choosing contentment, choosing cheer, and taking those blessings and putting them up on the shelf that the enemy can't reach. Because we can't maintain God's blessings in our lives because we can't maintain gratitude. we got to get our stuff up on the top shelf, away from the thief. And the way we do that is choosing gratitude. This is the story that kind of kicked off our whole series. It's the thing we've been talking about time and time again. Luke chapter 17. 
There are 10 guys who are healed of leprosy. Nine of them go their own way. In other words, nine of them say, Jesus, after all you've done for us, we don't care. And only one of them comes back. Will you be the one? Luke chapter 17 says this. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He chooses not to compare, not to covet. He chooses to delight in Jesus. He chooses to be content with the healing that Jesus has just provided. He chooses to be grateful. Let's pray this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.